Welcome to the Teaching and Learning Research Communities Inside Scoop series. In these podcasts, we bring together researchers, practitioners, and media experts to discuss successful strategies for translating research findings and classroom practices into accessible, actionable media. Our mission is to eliminate the gap between research and practice in the field of education. Hi everyone, welcome. My name is Kripa Sundar and today we have with us Dr. Carolina Cooper-Tetzel and Blake Harvard. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, Carolina, please tell us a little more about yourself. Hello, Kripa. Uh, hello, Blake. Um, hi. So, yeah, my name is Carolina Kupertetzel, and I'm a lecturer in psychology at the University of Glasgow in Scotland. I did my PhD in cognitive psychology at the University of Mannheim, that's in Germany, and my expertise is in learning and memory, but specifically, I'm interested in the application of fundamentals in cognitive psychology and to apply that um, to education. I'm a big fan and passionate about science communication. So I'm part of um, the scholarly research, um, scholarly outreach project, uh, The Learning Scientists. So I'm one of the four learning scientists in that group. And uh, I also founded the Teaching Innovation and Learning Enhancement Tile Network which is the teaching focus seminar here at um, the School of Psychology at the University of Glasgow. And the idea is with Tile to really bridge different disciplines and sectors and to engage in science communication. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. That's so exciting. And we'll make sure to put in the links to the, both the learning scientists as well as Tile. I know that the learning scientists was one of the first websites I ever started seeing when I was when I joined Twitter in 2015, 2016, and it was like, oh, someone's documented all of this. And it was like every person, every instructor I worked with, have you seen this resource? Have you seen this resource? So thank you so much for that work. I know it's a tremendous amount of effort and coordination. So thank you. And Blake, please introduce yourself. I'm Blake Harvard. I am a, an AP psychology teacher um, at James Clemens High School in Madison, Alabama. Um, I have a master's degree in secondary education um, and I am quite passionate about um, reading and writing about cognitive psychology in the classroom myself, but kind of on the other end of this, right? Um, I think um, I'm trying to take the research and figure out how I can apply it in class correctly, hopefully, and, and conduct my class in a more efficient and effective manner for, for learning and memory. Um, so I, I, you know, this talking about from research into practice, uh, I'm, I agree that we need to learn how to, you know, connect those two. Um, we've got people doing research and we've got people putting it into practice, but they're not communicating very well or very often at all, um, or they're speaking different languages um, figuratively and literally. Um, so uh, I'm very excited to be here today to talk about that and, and uh, yeah, just kind of share. Absolutely, and for folks who don't know, Blake Harvard also goes by his pseudonym, Effortful Educator, and has a fantastic blog with a lot of really handy resources and tips on how you can actually apply some findings from the 
uh, from cognitive sciences into the classroom. Thank you so much for introducing and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you folks today. We are here today as guests of the teaching and learning research community mm -hmm. to discuss how we can build translational communication across forms of media to help eliminate that gap between education research and practice. In other words, this podcast series is intended to answer the question, how can researchers turn their findings into accessible, actionable information that educators actually want to find and use in the classroom? And how do we foster a better collaboration between researchers and uh, educators? This episode of the TLRC Insight Scoop series will focus on how to share and learn about findings from education research and practice on one of perhaps the most commonly used social media platforms, Twitter. Um, so we'll, we'll get started. Uh, just to start off, how did, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of put uh, Blake on this spot here. How did you get started using Twitter for sharing and learning about education research and how to apply it? Yeah, so um, like many people, I found a group called the Learning Scientists on Twitter. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know how I got to them because originally I didn't use Twitter for that. I was, I was actually communicating a lot with my classes and my students, um, using it for exam reviews and stuff. Um, uh, but then one day I ran across this, this post from them on accessibility of, of research in the classroom. And there, there was something like, here's what the science says, here's the experiment, here's how it can be applied in your classroom. And I'd never seen anything so clearly communicated like that. And it just struck a nerve with me. Um, and before I knew it, I was writing to some of the learning scientists and uh, communicating with them. And um, that's just where it all took off. And I figured, man, there's, you know, why aren't more people doing this? Why aren't more people trying to communicate with the people using the research? It, it would just, you know, uh, kind of perplexed me a little bit, but that, that's where I got started was, was on Twitter. I just ran across this tweet that just led me to a link, led me to an article and it was, it was off from there. That's exciting. Uh, Carolina, how did you get started using Twitter as a means of communication of research findings? So for me, um, I think I, am. Um, I set up this account and it was basically connected to a conference I went to. And then um, at that conference, people were tweeting and using a specific hashtag to um, live tweet from that conference. And at this point, basically, um, I said, OK, I'm going to try this. I'm going to see what this fuss is about. And so I set up an account and um, during the um, the conference, I then, you know, in the beginning, when you do the first tweets, you don't really know how to do this. And back then, when I started, it's like, I don't know, when was this in 2014 or 15 or something? Um, it was basically, you still had uh, on Twitter, the smaller character limit. So like the tweets were shorter and you had to basically really be very concise in your tweets and things like that. Um, so, but this got me started. So, okay, so this is what you do. So this is how you tweet. This is how you use specific hashtags. 
So, and then starting retweeting other people's work and sharing your own work. So it was kind of, a, it was a slow start, I would say. Um, and then it picked up speed with, um, with the learning scientists really. Um, so I started in, interacting with them. So this was at the beginning of 2016 um, when I wasn't a part of it yet, um, when I wasn't a part of the team of the learning scientists. So I started discussions with, um, um, with them on Twitter and sharing and information and, and things like that and resources. And then all of a sudden I, I got invited to talks given like someone saw my tweet or saw my work on Twitter and they're like, oh, do you want to give a talk? I'm like, okay, right, okay, cool. Um, so this is how it started then. And then basically it like it became bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating um, that you can find your, your network on Twitter um, and, and be in this bubble really, because there's a bubble for every kind of discipline or interest field really that you're not part of, but it's still ha all happening at the same time. And um, you become like part of this bubble. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm here today and um, because of Twitter again. <laughs> so yeah, very exciting. This is how it started. <laughs> yeah, that, that is my story of getting on Twitter actually. Um, in 2016, there was AERA. And I remember I had, I think only one or two papers accepted at that time. And I'd, it was in some place where I like, there's nothing else to do there. Do I really want to spend all of that money and do nothing else but the conference? <laughs> so I was like, you know, and I think that was one of the first years I'd realized that AERA, that's the American Educational Research Association, also does uh, Twitter hashtags. And I started getting active on that. And then it just, much like what you said, Carolina, kind of started spiraling into, oh, there's so many other people who talk about this. And for me, I think um, two ways that my Twitter use, my network, my learning really transformed with Twitter was when I started engaging in Twitter chats. At that time, EdSurge uh, Ed used to do, I think, monthly or monthly chats, if I'm not wrong, or weekly chats. And I know Learning Sciences did some. And then I realized that there were actually a Twitter chat every single day, which positively I couldn't engage in all of them, but it was kind of like mind blowing for me because I am an international person who moved to the US. Uh, I came from the field of finance into education. And I have through my own personal experiences at 13 different schools, across the world so far had different tastes of education, but it took me a while to kind of understand what does K-12 in the U.S. look like? And Twitter was like this huge open platform for me to just learn, you know, every teacher being so forthcoming about not just what their wins, but their losses. What are their needs? What are their struggles? And just, you know, learning from all of these people engaging in these chats and listening or reading, I don't even know what the right term is, like what modality do we use for Twitter? Um, but it's been an exciting and very informative journey for me because I feel like that opened up worlds that I hadn't, I couldn't have possibly had exposure to. That's so it's really exciting how, you know, we get on Twitter for one thing and end up doing uh, something else. So speaking of Twitter chats, um, how do you go about organizing a Twitter chat, Carolina? 
Okay, I wanted to say something before answering that question, actually, because uh, one thing that really resonated with me right now when you just were explaining and describing your own experience is that in the beginning, when I started um, with, uh, with Twitter, like my network was full of other researchers, right? But the exciting thing that happened was like over time, there were more and more teachers. And as Blake, Blake said, it is basically that's what I want to do, like to communicate with teachers and to have like this bridge between researchers and teachers and learning from each other. And I think in some ways, um, Twitter enabled this, um, like was basically the initiator of this kind of, oh my God, this is actually possible. Um, so yeah, so just before <laughs> answering your question, I just wanted to say that. Um, and to answer the question, so logistics about, um, putting up a Twitter chat. So um, what I do is, um, what I have is a spreadsheet. And on that spreadsheet, I have basically at different times what will happen in the chat. Um, so just as the rough, as a rough structure. Um, the Twitter chat that I lead um, for the learning scientists um, comes with a very specific structure. So we have about 45 minutes of a guided discussion where um, it is always about a specific topic. And then we ask three questions in those 45 minutes. And then for the remainder of the time, for the remaining uh, 15 minutes, um, we have an open discussion. So it could either be that um, we are still discussing things from those 45 minutes, answering some of those questions, or it can be the case that um, it really is an open question phase where people just ask random questions and we try to come up with the best answers um, possible. So this is the broad structure. And from the logistics, what, we, what I do is basically I have a spreadsheet with um, some parts that are fixed. So the welcoming is fixed and um, the end is fixed and the introduction, like my own introduction is usually the fixed part. And then um, the parts that are variable across different um, Twitter sheds um, are the questions, obviously, and the topic. And then the answers is something that this has evolved. So in the very first Twitter chat I did, I basically was, I mean, I, I was scared as hell, right? <laughs> because I have participated in other Twitter sheds before, and it can be super fast. Um, and so I'm like, okay, now leading this, I hope I can keep up. Um, but so in the beginning, basically, I would pre-write some of the tweets, um, like the answers. Um, nowadays, I don't do this anymore. So I basically got used now to the speed. Um, I know what to expect. And I got much faster in processing this information, um, just basically practice. Um, and now I, I don't pre-write my tweets anymore. Basically, I, I, uh, I'm, it's more spontaneous and more um, leads to a more laid back um, to the chat so that I can react better to other people's answers. So that's um, what I usually do. That's incredible. I remember when uh, I think I guest hosted one of the Learning Sciences Twitter chats on multimedia learning and we had worked on that and I I've hosted a few guest hosted a few other Twitter chats and it's mm -hmm. always been like, what questions do I ask that makes sense to educators? Like, what can I share and what are some additional resources that 
are related to that. It's not like, oh, let's just talk about this, but you know, try to give them and point them to a direction. But yeah, I'll I'll stop talking and let Blake share his thoughts. So I I mean I I've only kind of guest hosted a, a couple of Twitter chats myself. Um, so I'm not the, on this end of things. I'm not not up on it very much. I don't know much about it. Um, I, I will say one of the big things about getting kind of along the lines of organizing is you got to get the word out, right? So usually that means having some sort of hashtag, communicating with other people in your network, asking them to tweet about it, right? Uh, and the time and what the, what the topic is. And a lot of the times people in their Twitter chats will put out some like, here are the three questions we're going to ask sometimes. Sometimes just a general um, topic, but, you know, just to get some people interested because, you know, the, the couple that I've hosted, kind of the fear is, is what if nobody shows up, right? Like, what if I do this and there's nobody there, you know? So uh, you want to make sure some people show up, you know, although, you know, if just a handful show up, those can be the best conversations too, you know, because mm -hmm. you can really be heard as, as Carolina said, they, they can go super fast. Um, and the, and you can miss a lot just by looking down to type, you can miss four five, six tweets. So, um, you know, the size of the chat, I mean, you don't have to have the largest chat in the world. It's the quality of the questions and the, and the communication going on. So, uh, the only thing I would add to the organizing is just try to get the word out, um, to educators because, you know, we're the great thing about Twitter is that whether I'm in America or Germany or Ireland or wherever, it's the same Twitter, right? So, um, you know, when I have a Twitter chat at two o'clock, that's going to be sometime different somewhere else. So people need time to plan if they really want to attend um, and things like that. So, yeah, when, when organizing, just get the word out. That's a great point. And I hear you folks on the speed of it. Um, Carolina, you... Yeah, I raised my hand, sorry. <laughs> um, um, one thing that I just, um, I take it for granted because I think, I, I'm, I'm, I usually assume that people know this, but then every time I guest host, I, I have a guest um, on my Twitter chat or on the Learning Scientist Twitter chats, um, I introduce them to TweetDeck, which is basically the thing that you need to efficiently do Twitter chats. Um, and it just works through your browser and you, um, so it's TweetDeck, you log in with your credentials and you can also add different accounts, which comes handy for the learning scientist chat where I have to manage two different accounts at the same time. So I have to tweet from the learning scientist, but also from my own private account. Um, and then you have basically a column with that specific hashtag. So you can actually see what is going on. You have your, your main, um, feed there so you can actually catch people who are just responding without using the hashtag and things like that. So TweetDeck um, is like if you want to do Twitter chats seriously, you, you need TweetDeck because it really helps you to um, look at all the information at the same time. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I agree. I think the first few, well, for years, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know about TweetDeck. So I was like the panic double monitor screen, like refreshing every few seconds on one and typing on the other. It's like, ah! <laughs> and, and remembering to add in the hashtag was like, ugh. Then I figured out my hack for it was to always put the hashtag up first and then type my response so I don't skip it. But 
<laughs> it's 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 fun. I, and you know, the, Blake, what you said about the international piece, I think, is really critical too. Because um, as someone who's learned different educational systems, it's a boon and a bane. But one thing that really stands out is every system's got its own pros and cons, and how people talk about yeah. things is different. And um, you know. I, as far as timing goes, there are lots of different ones. I think uh, in the U.S. you've got four or five time zones, but when you start thinking internationally, it's like, what time do I use? So it's it's interesting. Right. Yeah, you got to think about your audience um, because it, you know, as soon as educators, I think about high school teachers, right? Middle school teachers, elementary school teachers, they certainly aren't going to be able to do this while they're working, mm-hmm. right? While they're teaching. Um, and then they get home and then, you know, like every other person in the world, they're focused on getting dinner ready and things like that. And once you start thinking about that, there's very small windows of opportunity, really, um, to catch a lot of people, you know, depending on, again, who your audience is. So you've got to be aware, very aware of that. Yeah, for sure. I thank you. So, you know, that raises another question for me. How do you select which Twitter chats to attend, given that there are so many in limited time? Sure. So, again, one of the best ways to figure out which ones you would like to attend is hopefully seeing them kind of um, broadcast on Twitter early, right? So you can plan for it. Um, but almost, I would say almost every Twitter chat you know, they almost kind of like establish, this is my day, this is my time, you know, this is my hashtag. So um, after you find it on Twitter, you, you can kind of plan for it a little better. Um, you know, I it's easy to say, I love attending uh, or participating in, edge, in Twitter chats where I know I'm gonna find like-minded people, right? And everyone's gonna agree with me and it's going to be great, right? And I'm going to hear, wait, 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 I'm going to hear that I'm right about everything I do. <laughs> We're yeah, still yeah. talking about Twitter, right? Because I heard you say everyone yes. agreeing with what you say. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, I, you know, and that may be a great place for people to start. You know, if, if you're trying to find your first Twitter chat and you're thinking about I might participate, there's definitely some apprehension in that because, you know, there's this, once I tweet this, everyone's going to know it. Right. And they're going to though. this is my opinion on this or this is what I believe or even this is my strategy I use. And that for teachers, I mean, you know, we want to believe we're doing what's best for our students all the time. So once you put that out there and someone says maybe that's not right or maybe that's not the best way, it's hard not to take that personally. Right. But that's but in a certain way, though, that that's 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 life. Not everyone's going to agree. And Kripa, as you said earlier, different priorities in different parts of the world, different situations. It's hard to say that what I do in my classroom directly, or you, you, you wouldn't say, what I do in my classroom directly go, agrees with what you do in your classroom and the same things apply with the same students because they're not. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say always try to find one that just agrees with you, right? That, hey, I think this is something um, that where I'll find you know, kind of this, this, this hive mind, um, that may be a great place to start, but then sort of try to stretch your, stretch your, 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 your um, I guess your horizons, right? Expand your horizons there 
you know, and, and look for some that don't necessarily like, hey, this is outside my field of expertise, you know. I mean, I would feel very comfortable on any type of Twitter chat on cognitive science from the classroom perspective. Like, I'm there for that. I'm game, right? But, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not as up on, um, you know, the socio sociological, the emotional side of things as far as that. You know, I would feel kind of apprehensive in that Twitter chat, but I still would probably want to watch it um, just to see what people are saying and maybe comment here or there on something. Um, you know, I'm not gonna get any better at what I do necessarily by only hearing the same things over and over again, right? So, um, you know, don't just focus on the, the people you read necessarily or the, the one subject area that you specialize in, look outside of that. Carolina, anything you'd like to add? One thing that I have um, started doing with the learning scientist um, Twitter chat is really um, is adding or inviting um, guests. Because, yeah, I, I'm fine to do this um, and to, to provide uh, feedback and provide um, input and, and things like that. But it is a bit like what Blake said. Um, to add some wider perspective, wider views. Um, it really helps to have different people who are responsible or who, or who are leading the Twitter chat. So um, I think that's one way how um, I'm trying to keep it exciting, um, adding different perspectives. And not only from people coming from different disciplines, what I'm, I'm doing as well is different sectors. So uh, sometimes invite teachers um, to talk about a specific topic. Um, and I have been um, inviting students as well, because I really feel that um, research is being in a bubble for a long time and talking to each other and basically progressing their, their research and so on. And then now we open the, the bubble, I feel like at least some of us to, for example, now in, in this field here, in field of cognitive psychology and cognitive science education um, to teachers. So we have now a, like a bubble with teachers and researchers. And I'm like, sure, what about the students though? <laughs> like the students, because they are basically part of this, right? They should be part of this. We should be listening to their perspective. We should be seeing what what their views are and so i'm attempting this by um opening up this bubble and inviting um students to twitter chats um to co-lead um twitter chats with me to actually not only to to hear the perspective and to to have this enrichment but also to give students the opportunity for science communication in the twitter wild um and so um that's one way how we're trying to make it more um, holistic, put it this way, maybe. Yeah. That's really, I really like that perspective of bringing in students in there too. I think that's, that's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Just one thing from my end, I guess I'd like to add is when I started out, AERA was my kickoff. And then it was like, now what do I do? Like, you know, after that one week, it was like, how do I use this beast now? <laughs> um, and what, a couple of things I realized is on Twitter, you can just search for the topic you're interested in. You know, whether you put in cognitive science, cog sci, ed tech, or blended learning, online learning, any of those words, and it will show you a list of all hashtags, accounts to follow, all of that. And once you tag on to one or two, it's like you'll start snowballing through that network. 
And there's this other thing that I started doing was I realized that most big organizations hosted their own Twitter chats, some frequently, some infrequently. So I started following some of the bigger ones I knew. Um, like for example, ISTE has their own, you know, small special interest groups of educators who focus on different topics. And each of those topics have their own Twitter chats. And it's like, oh, I think there, uh, there is a, a, an interest group that focuses on learning spaces, the design of learning spaces. And they hosted one where they had an architect come join them. So it was a completely different and refreshing kind of perspective to see how do these people who actually build our schools and our learning spaces look at the design and what are they thinking of, which was a very refreshing piece. Um, I've also learned since then that educators are incredibly proactive. Every state has its own Twitter chat. So, you know, you could almost just search for your state and then add ED and then put chat and then something will pop up, which is I'm like, that's, I don't know where they get the energy and Truthfully, I just think it's incredible how how much they pull together. But these are these are some really great suggestions um, to you know select which Twitter chats to attend. And I know we started this conversation talking about some tips on how to get it organized. And we spoke a little bit about that fear of like, what if nobody turns up? Uh, so let's, I, I'm curious, are, do you have any tips or recommended practices on how do we encourage that participation in Twitter chats? So I think what's important is, um, is to announce it early on when the Twitter chat will take place. Um, again, obviously always with a hashtag. Um, to know the topic um, early on is also a good idea. Um, so this way you can actually uh, get the attention from um, people who maybe uh, see it at some point, like, oh, this is an interesting topic. So uh, to make it probably as concrete as possible. Um, with um, the learning sciences Twitter chat, the, the issue is I, I'm the one who's um, uh, organizing this. And um, as you may know, we basically, as a group, do this on our free time, um, the, uh, the learning sciences project. And um, so it's not always possible to, to plan like four or five weeks ahead when you will have time to actually do this. Um, so that's probably one challenge, I would say. Um, but um, just thinking back, okay, the best attended Twitter chats, um, this has to do with advertising it early on. But there are also some random factors. So some time of the, of the years, um, some times of the year are better than others. Um, so before Christmas, it's horrible. <laughs> you can't get people to, to come to Twitter chat. Um, or um, also during the summer break, there's often kind of a, a hole there where people don't really engage much, which is absolutely understandable. Um, and I think one thing I want to say about the fear about being alone on Twitter chat, it happened to me. Okay, and the thing what you do is like, you just keep going, you just tweet for an hour, straight on, and then you say goodbye, and that's it. And you just say, you know what, I did this. I did a Twitter chat on my own. <laughs> it happens, you know, whatever. Um, 
People will engage later on, they will see the summary, they will uh, see the tweet at a later point in time maybe, um, and they did, and they responded on it and replied it, and then it was kind of more like a slow chat thing, where um, like over the week um, there was more engagement with it, but honestly, I'm, I was kind of, you know, these things can happen, and I'm still here for this hour, and I'm still doing this. Um, I see it a bit more like, when I have office hours for my students, I'm there for that hour. If someone comes up, it's great. If not, I'm still there. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's yeah, it's actually, I laughed a lot when this happened. <laughs> um, of, I think we had 41 Twitter chats um, and it happened once, but it was a quite interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, I think the other thing I would do um, is to tweet um, a summary afterwards. Um, so we, um, I usually put together a um, wakelet um, summary of the tweets from the chat and share it um, the day after or so, or two days after um, for people to, to look at, um, just to remind them that this happened. That's really nice. And I hear you. I think uh, Ed Surge also way back when, now apparently five years ago, uh, used to also post a summary in terms of a blog post and shoot it out through their newsletter. So maybe if there's, you know, if you're hosting a chat for an organization that has a newsletter, then you kind of cross promote both. Um, Blake, do you have any suggestions on how we can increase engagement? The uh, the only thing I would say is if you, if you're if you've got a a topic that you know particular people you've been in contact with on Twitter, you know that they'll love this chat or whatever, let them know about it. And, you know, ask them, hey, would you mind sharing? You know, because then, you know, the reach is even greater um, just to promote it because this, it's kind of weird coming from as a teacher, but you've, you've got to promote your things. If you don't promote it, no one else is. Um, so, you know, sometimes that means asking for somebody else to spend 20 seconds tweeting, you know, hey, I'm, I'm coming to this Twitter chat tomorrow at seven, you know, will you join or something like that. Um, word of mouth, like in most genres, uh, word of mouth is big, you know, so if more people are talking about it, more people are going to show up. So that's what I would say. I think that's a great point, because I also think about uh, when when I look out for new chats, sometimes I know I got pulled into chats because I saw other people in my network tweak about, tweet with that hashtag. And then I looked in and I'm like, this is mind blowing. I've never thought about this this way. Like, you know, how are people approaching it this way? And I, I that's a really good point to bring up is just look at people, reach out to people. Uh, you had also previously mentioned setting it up at a regular schedule. And like Carolina says, be okay if you're alone. That happened to me once too. And I'm like, uh-oh. And then at the same time, later that week, we started getting some more responses on it just because, you know, it was a, people are busy. We have a life and lots of things happen. And Carolina, your point about times in the year where sometimes there's more engagement or less engagement, I've, I thought I noticed that I'm going to discount 2020, just skip over that year, but yeah, 2019 summer too. I know engagement was lower, but I thought I saw more of an increase in slow chats where people were doing book clubs online and they'd like read a book and then every week they're discussing a chapter, which was like, 
this is super cool. Like, I don't even have to read the book. Like, I can just read through this thread and I kind of know what that chapter said and how people are thinking and how educators think like this can be applied, uh, which is super duper cool. Um, these are some great suggestions. And I know we talked a, a bit about the common tr uh, troubles to engaging in Twitter chat, whether that's choosing the right time, clearly identifying your audience, finding the time to organize <laughs> organize a Twitter chat and just kind of knowing um, when and how to do it. Is there anything else that comes to your mind is like just, hey, if you're getting into this gig, keep an eye out for these top three issues kind of thing. Well, I mean, if I'm participating, right, maybe not leading, but if I'm new to just participating in a Twitter chat as a teacher or a researcher for the first time, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, like I said earlier, um, it can be a little daunting, um, especially if you believe like you're out of your depths and these people know way more than I do. And, you know, I don't want to be thought the fool or whatever. Um, I would just encourage you to participate anyway, try to overcome that apprehension. Um, you know, I, there are very few people I believe um, in, a, in a, that are involved in Twitter chats that are out to make someone feel bad uh, for, for saying anything, right? I mean, people want to get the word out. People want to have a discussion. Um, so, I mean, no, I don't think anyone's out to get you, right? Um, as far as try to make you feel bad because you may be ignorant to a certain subject or you just don't know as much about it. Um, so like overcome that. And really at the end of the day, um, you may be tweeting at someone halfway around the world and whatever they put on Twitter probably shouldn't affect you that much anyway, right? Like, what are they really going to do to you, you know? So um, it's okay to take that leap, you know, um, because the worst that can happen, yes, someone could probably hurt your feelings, maybe, but probably what's going to happen is you're going to get some really caring people who are going to send you some really good information to try to get you up to speed, right? Like, hey, you keep calling this group of people, um, you know, I think like in, you know, we call it kindergarten first, second, third, fourth in, in America, right? But in like in England, it's not that. It's it's different, you know. They're going to send you some, hey, here's why we call it this or here's what this is, you know, and I've, I've done that before. You know, you keep referring to this grade level as this. What does this translate to, right? And they sent me this really handy link of, you know, here's what PISA means. Here's, you know, all these different things that are more international, that I don't know about necessarily in America. So um, you're probably gonna get a lot of help um, from people. So just participate. And the great, another great thing about a, a Twitter chat is just because you join at one point, you're not on the ride for the entire hour or 30 minutes, right? Like, you know, like, okay, I did this. I, I, I can get off this ride and go do something else, right? You know, and I'll do that often where I'm participating in a chat and, you know, it just kind of goes somewhere that I'm not really interested in. You know, some of the times I'll try to stay anyway, especially if it's broadening my horizons on something I'd never heard of. Um, but occasionally, you know, I've got something else to do. I'm tired, whatever, and I'll leave the chat. And that's okay also. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's never going to be, I'll say, like, easy. There's always going to be some hurdles. There's always going to be something. But if you prioritize, and especially if you see one you really want to attend, give it a try, you know, and the reason that I'm talking to you today is because of Twitter, right? Because I, I 
I interacted with the learning scientist. And then before I know it, I'm interacting with other researchers and professors and I'm on Zoom calls with different people and it's wild, but it's all because they wanted to talk to a teacher and I wanted to talk to a researcher. This has been incredibly wonderful having you both here. Really, thank you for your time and tips. Uh, we'll be sure to post all of the links and resources we talked about. If there's anything else you'd like to share, um, I'd be, you know, let's just take the last couple of minutes to hear any final ideas, tips, suggestions, advice, anything you'd like to share. I shared everything. Um, I hope to see many of you listeners uh, at our next uh, learning scientist chat. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, but again, um, thank you, Creeper, for um, for inviting me, and um, this was um, a delight. Um, uh, was very fun to talk about this, and um, I um, again, I hope to see to, to see you at the next Twitter chat. <laughs> I don't really have anything extra either. I just, thanks for the, the talk. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find more about the TLRC as well as finding more resources and episodes from this series at edresearch4tl.org.